Welcome to Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is Teen and Steve. One half of the Dgens. How's it going, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah. Thanks for making time on this like Friday evening. I know uh, family family guys. It's harder <laughs> to find some free time to chat about. That's a fine uh, free time and free space. I'm in my I'm in my basement again, so the kids don't um, don't complain. Because actually, my my uh, my office where I would normally do this is right beneath the kids room apparently uh, they can hear so yeah right right so you go down to the basement man cave and this is what married men do yes. you go into their man cave and then they then they jump on the internet and then they start talking about politics <laughs> yes and by man cave we mean the kids playroom uh, um. <laughs> honey what were you doing in there last night it's a mess Good. in here and you're like uh yeah we were talking about well talking i think we're going to talk about sinophobia we're going to talk about America. Talk about America. <laughs> so my th- here's the thing, uh, and and um, this this is a, you know why talk about it now, right? I think some of the things that I've seen in the past week make me feel like either two two things are happening. Either we have reached peak insanity, and this is a McCarthy moment. Meaning that the runaway sinophobia that has captured both, you know, both aisles of Congress, and Congress is where you see this the most, um, as well as the White House. But I think Congress is in an arms race with it, with each other, with among within itself, to prove who is the most sinophobic of all. Yep. And I feel like this is a runaway process that has some sort of game theory aspect to it. I don't think people really believe what they're saying. And that we have, and I think TikTok was the sort of like jump the shark moment. And now Tom Cotton's talking about introducing a, basically a Chinese Exclusion Act 2.0, mm-hmm. which um, we were just looking at. It's called the Not One More Inter Acre Act. <laughs> <laughs> a bill. <laughs> to direct the president to take such actions to prohibit the purchase of public or private real estate in the United States by citizens and entities of the People's Republic of China. And his tweet was introducing this bill. We can't allow Chinese citizens or anyone affiliated with the CCP to own one more inch of American soil. Look, that's Chinese Exclusion Act. And uh, which is funny because, you know, Congress in, I think, 2017, thereabouts, passed a bill giving an official apology for the Chinese Exclusion Act. And this is probably one of like several bills that I've seen that, that in my opinion, amounts to that. There was another just one that the I same think... same thing. Yeah, it's just yeah. Texas. Texas. There's another one in Congress that, re- that wanted to prohibit anyone from China from, from enrolling in a university in America to study <laughs> STEM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. They, they were going to say, oh, yeah, they should yeah. only be here to uh, study like American history. Uh, American history and 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 like democracy and stuff yeah. and freedom yeah. freedom studies freedom yeah. studies yeah um one one thing that I I think is important to distinguish is like um there's kind of different streams of sinophobia let's say I think there is certainly the 
there's like just basic tribal racism, right? That that does exist, but I don't actually think that's the main. Well, I, I'm not saying that it's not necessarily the main cause because on some level you could argue that that's like the root of all of it, right? Um, but that's that's only one of the aspects that I think is going on right now. The other is that I think it is the case that in America's conception of itself as sort of the, the shining beacon on a hill, shining city on a hill, the indispensable country and so on and so forth, therefore American interests are by definition humanity's interests come hell or high water, even if they have to um, you know, do a, break a few eggs to make an omelet, so to speak, then, well, that's just the way it is. American leadership is de facto good and could not be anything else but good. So anything that America does is good. And so there is somebody that is standing, potentially standing in the way of continued American hegemony, which by definition in the American mind is good. And that is China. And that is, if you accept the premise, it is kind of factually true, right? Not saying, uh, because because I, I think it's because America's aims are functionally so maximal that somebody is always kind of going to be in the way, right? Um, but that's kind of like a different, I think, pillar of the Sinophobia. That's a neo. That's right? the neocon pillar, what you just described there, the second one, right? It, I mean, it's neocon, but, well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not totally clear on the definition of neocon per se, but, like, I actually think a lot of, or like of the liberal, realist, liberal, the realist. liberal internationalists. No, I, I don't think it's realist. Uh, well, it's not well, necessarily not, not realist, realist. In, the, in, a, in the literal sense, but the realist school of geopolitics, you know, that says all, all states, nation states are really just, you know, out to grab as much power and resources for itself as, as they want. As, yeah. they, as it's able to, and it's like a Malthusian, it's a, how do you say that? I know how to read it. I don't know. Manakian? Manakian struggle. Yeah. Not as, you know, zero sum struggle. And that, you know, China, this this planet ain't big enough for the two of us. And that is, I think, the but realist I, approach. I, right? I, but I think like a realist would at the same time recognize that if its power were insufficient to achieve its goals, then it's just going to change its goals. Well, maybe, maybe that's something that they that right. they need to confront. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> I, I, I actually think this this like to me this kind of this shiny beacon on a hill, this shiny city on a hill thing to me actually seems much more like a liberal internationalist position, right? That, uh, than than necessarily anything else. Because um, yeah, because like, I think they like really a believe liberal, it. Um, like a like a sort of it's a crusade. It's a crusade. Yeah, crusade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that is. In a way, like we're, uh, this is a little bit off topic, maybe, but in 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 a sense, uh, the sort of colonization, the westward colonization wave, right, started in England, went and hopped on the ocean, uh, went across to America, started in New England, and then kept going west, and then hopped on the Pacific Ocean and kept going, and it basically stopped in like, it stopped in China, it stopped at or just outside China's borders, right, seventy years ago, whatever it was. And that's the state of the world today, and that because it, it, like it kind of never resolved itself. And, and like the, I would say, like that's the that's the second pillar of the Sinophobia, right? But here's the problem, though, is that those first and second pillars that you're pointing out have always existed, right? So why why now? What is happening now? Because what I'm looking at, what I see, is 
literally like a runaway fucking train within the past. I mean, it was already bad. It was bad. Yes. Twenty. When did Trump launch his China trade? Eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yep. Uh, so it was already bad, you know, then, right? But mm-hmm. it has gone exponential, I would say, in the past, in this year. You know, like it's March, end of March, past th- uh, three months. It's gone exponential. And I think TikTok hearing was a sort of culmination of this, where we have the sort of like neocon type or neocon adjacent fear-mongering aligned with uh you know the the like the tech industry Mm -hmm. that wants to sort of quash chinese competition and i think that it doesn't i'm trying to figure out what is going on in the past three months that has caused this to go like a like a, an absolute bottle rocket in terms of the level of just insane rhetoric you know and then you see Nikki Haley who's a moderate she's a moderate you know she's a moderate GOP mainstream GOP yep. uh candidate for yep. president she she threw yep. her head in and complete you know just total just insane xenophobia again like her entire platform is try- and Marco Rubio's going crazy with this stuff. But is it and- I mean, is it just out of the question that the, the trend is simply up? Right? Like there's gonna be little dips in and waves. No, I'm sure it's through, up. The trend is just up. So no, the- like at any given point, you're you the ex- no, but, <laughs> we're but expected to be at a new record high, right? So. Yes, but why? Yes, it's up. But my, my question is well, let me offer my sure. uh, feeling about this is that this actually doesn't <clears throat> have that much as it's not entirely about China. I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree. yeah. I think that the first two pillars you talked about were growing stronger over time because, as a reaction, I think to China itself just sort of reasserting, you know, bigger. asserting itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's that whole things aspect. are better. Things are better in China, and things are shittier in America since twenty five years ago, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Now, I I just don't think that that alone. I mean, I could be wrong. I my feeling is that that alone, what is not sufficient to cause the runaway. Uh, the runaway chain reaction we see going on right now, which is absolute batshit insane. I mean, they're literally talking like it's just like mainstream media openly reporting about, you know, like what would happen in an event of a nuclear exchange with China? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, like and, and it's not even a warning thing. It's literally like an infographic of how many people would die. It's insane, and I, I, I suspect Steve that what's actually going on is that the we are it's it's a function of an intractable breakdown in american politics and we saw trump getting arrested today which is not arrested but indicted indicted yeah and that is to me a a sure sign that of of... total division just absolute Uh, total division. yeah you could be onto something there because we are about only about a year away, right, from the election or something? Yeah. I mean, ago? yeah, like they knew, they knew that mm-hmm. this was a, this was like, you know, a, a, a point of no return if you're going to, if you're, I mean, basically breaking tradition that says like, you know, presidents are essentially above the law, whether we like it or yeah. not, like that oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. the tradition. Yeah. 
And now you're actually going to have a former president go to jail. Yeah, go to and, jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. they're going to mugshot him, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like that is a, that, I mean, among many other things. I mean, this is just a sign. I think that what we're seeing now is a central government, including the moderates who are trying to keep it together, that they know that they're going to have to pass some very, very unpopular uh, bills. They're going to have to. They're going to have to tighten central control, and they're going to have to pass bills that the American public just doesn't like. Like we don't the want the act? restrict bill. <laughs> yeah, the restrict act. We don't like what what. What demo, What functioning democracy are the people going to be like? Yeah, we want to set make it so that like if we go to the wrong website, we are criminally liable for it. And we're not talking about child porn. We're talking about oh WeChat. WeChat, yeah, right. So, yeah, which, will, which yeah. I guess by the text of it would be criminal. Yeah, exactly. So well, I guess what I'm trying to suggest, uh, and I, I I wanted to bounce this idea off of you, which mm-hmm. is why I kind of asked if you want to do this pod mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. That I, I think that that this that this exponential runaway rhetoric, sinophobic rhetoric, is a convenient smokescreen. It has long been a convenient smokescreen to ram down very unpopular pro-corporate, pro-military policies, and make it as a and use sinophobia as a way to fearmonger and sell it to an American public that has basically lost all of its belief and faith that and either of the political parties give a shit about us. And so they're, they, they, now, they can no longer claim with a straight face that they're doing this for our own good. They're doing this because they're like, we are under threat by China and China is forcing us to do this. So I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I'm just kind of... So in your, in your thesis... Right to force down these unpopular bills is to what end? Just simply because because they social need control. Because I look, I can more defense economic... money, more money for the MIC. I can totally understand. Like it's just a mo- profit motive, right? Yeah. Um, but you're saying that there is some, like the Restrict Act, there is some drive towards increased informational and social control that is necessary, or is this a distraction? Is it like the circus part of the bread and circuses? I, I think it's a bit of both, but I'm saying like underlying this is the need for the government to consolidate power uh, to service a corporate and military agenda. Mm-hmm. And that that's necessary for the basically like the survival of the system as it currently is, which has always been a pro corporate pro. Yeah. Hey, Mike's with us. We got the we got we got oh, both. Cool. Uh, both degens are here. Hey, guys. Yeah. How's it going? Twice as degenerate. Up, going on do we need to catch you up we're, we're like you know should we tell you kind of what's going on uh yeah sure we're talking about runaway sinophobia over the last call it month to three months that has kind of like you know we were talking about tom cotton and his bill to ban uh any chinese citizen from purchasing real estate in, oh, right in america things like that like just runaway and nikki yeah. haley you know everyone's just tiktok hearings <laughs> the TikTok hearings, like, yeah, we brought that up for sure, and and my we're discussing like why now, and and uh, I, I'm basically saying that that a lot of this is is not really due to China. It is, I mean, I think a lot is due to China, obviously, as a rising 
as a rival or threat or whatever. Right. But in the last month or two months, I don't know what has changed so much, but I think part of it is not so much that just China is a threat and we have to respond to it, but that what's going on is the U.S., the America itself is finding ourselves in an intractable situation where, like, the there's a there you know the centralized authority is starting to fall apart the ability to pass more pro corporate pro military policies which is the true job of congress as we all know is under threat because people don't want any more of that shit yeah they're not buying that shit anymore they're not buying that shit anymore and so the only thing that they're able to do now is raise the specter of china to scare a divided population into, into some form of compliance and acquiescence to the continued rollout of more money, more corporate welfare in the forms of $52 billion for CHIPS Act, right? right? More money dumped into, like, okay, we quit, we, you know, we, the, what, what did American people want? They, we, we, they wanted Biden to end the war. He ended the war and now we're, we, the run rate for Ukraine is higher than what it, what, the, what it was for Afghanistan and they want more. And the only way that they can so, to uh, sell this thing is to say that actually China is one half of this tag team in Ukraine. And so we've got to fight both of them at the same time, <laughs> you know? And so we're talking about corporate welfare and we're talking about more military spending. And we're and they're trying to ram it down our throats because they know that we don't want any more of it. And so that's why... Uh, Steve, I'm I'm suggesting there's been a runaway in anti-China rhetoric because that's all they got left. That's, see, that's see, basically I, the only plausible thing that they can do now. See, I, I actually kind of agree. I, I guess one one thing that I'm struggling with is like the degree to which uh, American policymaking or American sort of like domestic politics is still rational on some level. Because I actually think you know, like the balloon incident, like to me, that was like American politicians glitching out. Or something like they were they were going insane yes <laughs> like there was something broken yeah. right like they couldn't they couldn't figure it, it it was like chat gpt having a hallucination right like something something had broken so i can and, and that's why you know i kind of asked that question earlier of, of okay so they're doing this to what end right but I, I guess it could also just be because they have no other ideas and this has just become like almost a Pavlovian response at some point. Yeah, it's, I mean, China is a really, really convenient thing to blame a lot of shit on, right? And I, like, I don't know, I, I think at least in some, like, if you take, if you just say China is the, the cause of all America's problem, all of America's problems, I don't think you're going to get a majority of the population to believe that. But if you like, individually blame certain things on China, the aggregate amount of people who will believe certain things is... Yeah, somebody will believe one of those things. Right, exactly. Things, right? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know the statistical term for that, but, you know, you're going to get a lot of coverage, basically. Like, I was just reading um, this thing about the U.S. life expectancy, and it's how it's just dropped precipitously in, like, the last <laughs> 20 years. It's scary, and apparently now the U.S. or the uh, yeah the the life expectancy in China is actually higher than the U.S. Oh wow, which is kind of nuts. That is kind of especially nuts. since uh, you're talking about like one one fifth or one sixth of GDP per capita. Yeah, 
and so, and it's a, and it's you know such a huge country so you know that's a i mean it's like a significant yeah. percentage of the world <laughs> you know it's like almost 20% <laughs> excuse me almost 20% of the US or the global population um whereas the US is like 4% yeah it's tiny less than 4% can i ask though as like as like the the token canadian are things truly so bad in the states it really depends on where you live because I I feel like bad as the rhetoric it is bad I mean obviously there's a lot of anti-Asian violence but I don't I don't think that it I I you know there's there's no easy way to say definitively but I actually don't think that ground level anti-Asian specifically anti-Chinese racism is nearly as bad as what we're seeing out of Congress Okay, that that I buy. I, I'm to, well. Okay, so I, I like when I when I asked the question, I actually kind of meant like, um, is life for the average American? Yeah, that that's what really I. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that, that's what really I took so you to bad, mean, and right? I would say it just yeah. highly depends on where you live. Like it, you know, if you live in base, I mean, it's not even wealthy areas. It's just like certain certain industries and certain geographic areas. They just don't. It's just life is just not as good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But is it is to the point where, like, if you're if you're a part of the political leadership class, you're just looking at yourself. Oh shit, we need to have a boogeyman, or we're gonna have a civil war. Like, are we, is it actually at that point? Like, if they if they did not have China, would there be a civil war? Like, I, I I'm not totally sure about. I don't know that. if it's necessarily civil war. I think it is a breakdown in the the ability to get. Americans to buy into more of this, these policies that fundamentally are not in our interest, you know, and are, and are really about corporate, it's about corporate welfare. It's about, it's about keeping a, an economic system alive that is fundamentally not profitable anymore in many, in many cases, like they need state support. Yeah. I mean, they need, they need, they need to socialize the losses of industry. I mean, how many how many abject failures of the governing class has happened over the past, you know, since, I don't know, 2000, right? Like, it just, it's countless. Like, all of the financial shenanigans, Middle East wars, fucking rising healthcare, rising education, um, you know, fucking corporate bailouts left and right. Reduced life expectancy. Yeah, the life yeah. expectancy is going down. Addiction is going up. Like the the economy, like is being more. Uh, you know, all of the all of the gains are accruing to the top. I mean, what yeah. else, like healthcare. And they're blaming all of it on China because they 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 don't they because if you blame if you address the problem as a symptom of a broken system, they're going to have to institute reforms. But if you say that the problem is China, you can just triple down on what you're already doing, which is an ongoing, never-ending bailout of a private <clears throat> corporate economy that is fundamentally unprofitable, you know, without massive amounts of state support. And so, you know, like, I think Chips Act is, like, one of those examples of, like, you know, fuck it, we're just going to get $52 billion away. To, I mean, that's, you know? that's actually not even that much money 52 billion yeah it's not that much if you say so well if you say so uh, try to get 52 billion dollars passed in 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 any sort of like well that's uh you know domestic yeah well i mean we're used to Uh, to uh, the pentagon budget's 800 
Well, well, so. we're used to the uh, the monetary numbers, but this is just fiscal. Like this has yeah, to be yeah. paid for. By oh no, I, I, I get you. Well, just, like, look, the, the Pentagon budget it's eight hundred. Yeah. So, you know. Well, I don't. I don't know if that makes it better. <laughs> I think that makes it worse. That sure. On the corporate side, it's that big, but then on the military side, you're talking about it's a whole like other wild. Level. That's like half yeah. the GDP of Canada, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally half the GDP. It's it's uh, maybe a little bit more and, actually. But like I said, I Americans wanted to end the wars. That was a popular thing. They they wanted mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like everyone? It has every politician runs away from the wars that we we start you know they run towards a new war sure but they're always running away from the last one to say yeah you know, like who has no politician now wants to claim responsibility for afghanistan or iraq everybody knows it's a loser and that americans all you know it's almost universally held that those were mistakes mm-hmm. i mean very few people still stand by yeah. that it's in iraq in iraq and so they're sick of it people don't like war and but and yet, Biden ends this war, and the military budget only balloons, and we are now running. We're spending more money per year at this rate in Ukraine than we are having, you know, saved in ending Afghanistan. And then they're they just want more because they're like, oh yeah, we need like double the navy in order to you know contain China's naval expansion or whatever the. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you know, I mean, you tell me if that's really about China or whether this is just, you know, a a political class that, you know, has no vision, knows that it's completely co-opted by corporate and MIC interests, that the whole thing is a dog and pony show. And it has always been uh, to sell policies that are fundamentally, you know, against Worker, you know, working class Americans and for, uh, you know, corporate owners and 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 the like. That Congress has always been a dog and pony show to to trick us into thinking that they're on our side and that the policies that they're passing are on our side, and they, that that whole formula has you know I feel like run out because the situation has gotten so bad for so long, and that now the the only thing left for them to do is basically sound a fake alarm about China starting World War III and that every social problem that we have is a result of China's rise. And hopefully we could scare enough Americans so that we can continue passing the same policies that we have been all along. You know, that's, that's what I think is going on. This is a smokescreen. So you, you like the, the, the idea that the elite class is far more anti-China on some level I completely, like I, I completely buy that. But what I'm not certain about so much is whether they, or the extent to which that they use that use China as simply a smokescreen for more corporate welfare, versus the extent to which the elite class is truly just ideologically like, no, well, I'm going to be number one. I think they're split into two, right? Because there's also the other side of the elite class, which has a lot of money invested in China and makes a lot of money in China. But that seems to China. be like, that seems to be, I mean, the, look, that class definitely exists, right? Um, but that's, that class seems to be either less and less or quieter and quieter. 
Because they're running out of options. They're, well, I mean, but yeah, like, that's, who, that's who, my point who is, is that they're running out of options, money, right? It's not, it's generally not big tech, other than a select few, like Apple OS, obviously Microsoft to some extent, but Google face Google Facebook, they don't. Well, they they don't really have much market share in China anyway, so I don't think they, they really they, care. Right? They they don't. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more they, about they protecting got, their existing they got the market rever- share. Yeah, and they got the reverse. They got the reverse going on, right? Yeah, and but you, but 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 I would say that the the uh, it's underreported, but I think that the American American corporate interests are quite against the the trade war and the tariffs. And in fact, I think they're suing. There's a tra- there's a big trade group out there that's suing the government to be compensated for the tariffs. Yeah, just imagine and, like Walmart and Amazon and any importer, uh, you know, or retailer that does anything in China. They're not happy about this stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably not happy about it, but at, at some point they got to understand that like the tides of the winds have probably changed. Well, yeah. that's why they're not going ball. vocal, but they do show up like China recently, you know, just like last week or this week mm-hmm. had that big meeting, you know, and I forgot what it's called, but you know, all the major CEOs were there. Tim Apple was there. <laughs> and, <laughs> Tim Apple, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and he said a bunch of nice shit. And, he, you know, to the extent that some of those images went viral and people were trying to make fun of him as being, you know, a, a, a traitor. But it really didn't get much traction. It's not like he's become public enemy number one because he went to Beijing. Yeah, because everyone uses their products. You know? They're probably tweeting that on an iPhone. So, hey. But, but, I, but I would say that I think what's going on is that they, you know, they are quietly opposed. I think that industry, industry generally, um, is quietly, you know, but powerfully lobbying against continued hostility, and that is a big force. But they are smart enough to recognize that right now is not the time to be to loud about speak this. up against this because. Yeah, yeah. Congress has lost its fucking mind, as law as well as a good portion of the media. But that's they're also, not rational right now, right? But that, that's also, I mean, that's also some sign that that class has lost power. Like you remember the the remember um Kyron Skinner. This is back in like 2018. She made some comment about uh, <laughs> this was not the even state, the, spice, the State Department. The State official. Department, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, she she said something like, in the past, the China relationship was driven out of the Commerce Ministry. And by treasury being, she said yeah, by, by treasury, treasury by treasury and now it's being driven out of state, state and cia or yeah. ncia and so on right so there has been probably some kind of power shift within the domestic american government like i i think my general point is that like i i, I really do think on some level that the american elite class whose material interests are absolutely handled right like beyond a shadow of a doubt um they really just don't like the idea of having anyone who could resist conversion to their will. I, mean, I don't think I don't, I don't think I don't think like a gross way, but I don't yeah, think private industry like really cares. Private industry doesn't care, but like we're not yeah. we're, we're talking we're not talking about private industry so much. We're no, I know we're like talking about this the, the elite political class. Elite we're talking about the neocon class. wing, right? We're talking about I don't know. Well, that's what I said. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure. It's all like these are. I think they're the dominant foreign policy liberals. establishment. But I would say that I, you know, I wouldn't call them just foreign. I mean, there are moderating voices in the foreign policy establishment, but they're all marginalized, and it's completely gone so, the way yeah, of the Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, like, what, what's the, what's the difference between from an, from a from a foreign relations perspective? What's the difference between a liberal and a and a neocon? Is like no, they're like not. The they're not opposites. They're willing to bomb people. They're well, not opposite. They're, they're, they've never like been like ninety percent aligned, right? Yeah. No, I mean, neoconservative is has never been opposite to liberal. Yeah. Neo, neo, yeah, neoconservative. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just know, a, the the interesting yeah. thing right now is the U.S. foreign policy is is not having the effect that they want. Right. The harder they grab onto power and like try to force people to do their will, the less the rest of the world is willing to cooperate. Because I mean, I think everybody else outside of the political class and like the five eyes countries is just super skeptical <laughs> of yeah, us, yeah. uh, of us intentions. Yeah. In, in foreign I feel like policy. the U S has to resort more and more to just like blunt force coercion trauma. and yeah, force, coercion yeah. to get, to get compliance. It's, it's no longer like, look, we're the shining beacon. What follow us because good things are the, going this way. Yeah. It's more it's, like, it's if you don't power, do this, we're going to fucking sanction you or do some backhanded or backroom, like, Stab yeah. you in the back somehow, yeah. Um, and you wouldn't I, want that, would you? That you know. That- I, I agree because if I think if we were really being driven by the neocon, you know, view of the world, and just that, I think that we would be a lot more sophisticated in how we're going about this, and you know, we would be a lot more strategic and you know, using stuff like TPP and coalition building and stuff to contain. And we would do it quietly and without making ourselves look like fools on the international stage. Yeah, there would be more carrots and less sticks. I mean, like right now, it's all sticks. Mm. You know, it's kind of yeah. And we're hitting ourselves yeah. with them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's sticks crazy. that we're beating ourselves sticks. with. It is all sticks. And you know, I there's this. It's um, who wrote the Th- Graham Allison? I think uh, who wrote the Thucydides Trap? You know, the mm-hmm. book about how you know war. analyzing the likelihood that um, you know, the top power will end up in a war with the rising power. And there's a, I, fr- I think it's that book. And there's a port, there's just a passage from the book that I thought was really illuminating, which is to say that generally speaking, uh, when it comes to, you know, the, the realist school of, you know, analyzing great power geopolitics or whatever, is that, you know, they're rational actors, right? Like they're going to do what it takes to, but every now and then, you have a great power that does stuff that makes no sense. And the reason it's doing that is because its foreign policy is being shaped by domestic crises. Meaning that they're not actually thinking about foreign policy in, uh, you know, in a rational way, but it's just like a, like a eminent, like a mutant, you know, emanation from a, a, a domestic political crisis. And it could be the result of someone, for example, starting wars as a distraction or as a way to consolidate power at home under extremely fractured uh, conditions. And I think I, I think that that's what's going on here is we are seeing a an irrational bubble, a McCarthy-like bubble of anti-Chinese fearmongering because. If without it, we would be nakedly we, the 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 deep political crisis would be nakedly exposed to us, and we would we would have to have like a real reckoning, you know. And and they're just trying to put that off as as long as possible. And I, I just don't think that that is going to hold. I I just like here's I guess here's my th- like one thing to consider is. You know, 
I heard in Zurich after um, I know this is not the United States, but in Zurich uh, after the Credit Suisse thing, you know, after the SNB mm-hmm. uh, stepped in, that there were like protests where people were like, you know, we have to kill the rich, and then they were they were like vandalizing in Zurich of all places. In Zurich, yeah, they were vandalizing the headquarters of Credit Suisse. Yeah, it wasn't very big; it was hundreds of people. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm I'm pointing this out because it was a small but very angry response to something like bailing out a bank, right? Okay, mm-hmm. name me one time that 200 Americans have gotten together to just openly express their deeply held frustration over China. You know, and I and I've been to the Chinese embassy and like I've I've driven by there, you know, in the in in the sort of outskirts of Washington. And it's right across the street from the uh, Israeli embassy. And there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Nobody <laughs> goes there to demonstrate. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's actually, that, it, it, it's almost like you feel like that should be a hotbed of demonstration. And Nobody's there. It's peaceful. There. It's a beautiful, quiet, almost suburban lane. And nobody's there. Not a soul. Nobody cares. I bet you if you go to TikTok's office, I think they have an office here in New York City. Mm. No one's there. But you know what happened the other day? Uh, the president of Taiwan came. Tsai Ing-wen, she came to New York City. And there was a pretty sizable demonstration against her. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, Chinese nationalists with their PRC flags. There were these guys. I don't know if you saw. I tweeted it. There were these guys, white guys. Uh, with these huge signs saying, we don't want your war. And he had a megaphone and he parked himself right outside. I think he was right outside the uh, Santander office building in Midtown. Oh, he okay, knew yeah, that yeah. she was going to be there. Yeah. And as she was walking to get into her little, you know, her car service or whatever, he's shouting her down in a, with a megaphone. It's a white guy. Not, not some, you know, like, not like a Chinese immigrant that's, you know, hates Taiwan or whatever, you know, the stereotype is. It's a white guy. Screaming at her with a megaphone, saying, "This is China's not our enemy. This is a lie. This is all a lie. We don't want your fucking war." And he said, "President Tai, get out of our country." Wow. <laughs> and There's I was some like, like, you know, I, I really some wonder, like leftist guy. I, I really wonder if at some point there is a there is an actual military conflict, not necessarily even a war, but if like body bags come home to the U.S from the South China Sea and the U.S. finds itself in yet another war in Asia, like what the, I mean, the, 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 the rhetoric and the propaganda to overcome that. Oh, it would be over, it would be overdrive. It, like, yeah, it would be so would hard. Be and I really wonder if people would buy it here because it's like, well, you know, you know, we've already lost 17 sailors, you know, ever since the pivot to Asia, oh, we've really? lost two Arleigh Burke class destroyers. We've lost the nuclear attack submarine. Oh, we've lost the F-35. Yeah, you know, just from like, like crashing and stuff. Not, not, not. Yeah, not, not because of the you know direct confrontation with the PLA or PLAN, but because of accidents yeah. and you know whatever. And um, it's not like we do, we haven't already suffered losses. <laughs> you know, I mean, this 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 losses. actually just made me wonder because you know comparing Afghanistan and let's say Ukraine, uh, while the American public may be tired of wars, are they necessarily tired of proxy wars? There's no body bags. Not American ones. Anyway. Well, you know, I mean, it's just, things it's just money. It's just but, money. Do you, but do you recall that the Russians de- like destroyed one of our drones and 
the yeah, predator. Did you notice that the media has just sort of dropped it? They didn't really. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's kind of too. Minimize the escalation. You know? Well, but like, what, what do you like? I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I don't think you can whip people up into a fervor over a drone. I think you could. They warped. They whipped us up into a fervor over a balloon. Yeah, but uh, well, okay. But did did normies actually give a shit about the balloon? No, or, nobody or did. They, nobody. Yeah, I don't know right. a single well, person well, who cared well, about the that's, what, that's my point. A lot right? of it was yeah. tongue in cheek. Like people are just kind of joking around. I mean, about people are just joking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it was kind of fun. It was so ridiculous as to be funny, but a drone. And you know, like CNN's like, oh, they shot down a drone. They're going to retire, you know? Well, it's, so, like, without the, the without something like a 9 11 or a Pearl Harbor, I don't think Americans really are fully on board with any kind of conflict, you know? And it took, I mean, it took 20 years before America realized Afghanistan was a mistake and Iraq was a mistake, or like, you know, 18, 19 years or whatever it was. And with, with like, unless China just, does something incredibly dumb, like invade Taiwan, which I don't think they're going to do. I don't think that's ever going to happen, by the way, personally. Um, but even still, that's like Taiwan. It's not. It's not like Hawaii or California, yeah, or New York so or downtown Manhattan. I mean, it's like it's totally different, right? There's another level of separation there. Yeah. So, so even if the worst happens and China does invade Taiwan, like what's going to happen? Are 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 the are the is the Navy going to start just sending in sailors like? in mass to that area and then start an actual war, you know, war that could turn into world war three and put thousands of American lives on the line on day one. Like, I really don't know if that, if the U S no, I mean, that. I don't think the U S is, I think in that scenario, the U S is probably not getting involved directly. Um, but it could send more proxies. Right. Well, who would go to Taiwan? Uh, some, you could maybe try and convince Japan to send some people or whatever. Oh, hell no. They're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think Japan I mean, you could try. You could try. I mean, I'm I mean, just saying, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a non I mean, It could just be happen. like, you could just be like, send weapons, right? Like the and kid, like the out. kid from, I, like, hell and whatever. Like the kid from Ohio or Arkansas that's on a Navy destroyer or aircraft carrier, you know, it, like, are their parents going to be like, yeah, send my kid to Taiwan <laughs> where they also speak Chinese. Exactly. They are Nobody Chinese cares people. about this shit. No, no, no. no. They're not going to do They're not going to do No, no. Like, like if, if they're, I, I think. People are already the, tired of Ukraine. Sure. But the, I mean, look, the Taiwan situation is just the U.S. doing its best to provoke China into some sort of response that will enable them. To yeah. Some sort of dumb crank up sanctions, right? Crank up sanctions. To set them back another 20, 30, 40 years. And... But, but Mike's bringing up a good point, you know, <clears throat> which is like, ultimately, American will, like the, the people have to have the will to do this stuff, you know, and I think we're going to let Congress get away with some stuff that, we, that doesn't really, I mean, $100 billion in, in, in Lend-Lease, you know, whatever, like, you know, I don't think most Americans really think of that as like a real thing. We're just kind of like, I don't know, it's just government money. I, what does it matter to me? But I think when it gets time to, like, you know, actually having a material impact on American people, like, directly, I, I really don't think that the ambient sinophobia, which does exist, there is sinophobia in the air, I just don't think it's strong enough to support this. Like, like TikTok, I don't think your average American is, is fearful of TikTok. If they were, they wouldn't keep using it, and yeah, this wouldn't be it. an issue. Yeah. They're yeah. not fearful of it. Yeah, yeah it's only They're a problem because it. everyone uses it. If nobody uses exactly. it, it wouldn't be yeah, a problem. <laughs> so you have like Congress taking this very sort of like paternalistic, 
you know, role where we're like, oh, we're trying to protect the American people because our children are too dumb and they keep using it. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I don't really see parents, you know, in mass telling their kids to get off TikTok. I don't see people – like if Americans truly were that xenophobic, we would just voluntarily just ditch TikTok. We wouldn't use it, but we do. So, you know. I mean, yeah, I think the, I mean, the foreign policy blob and like Congress and all that they're I think they're definitely in a bubble where they think the average American is just as rabid anti-Chinese as they yes. are. Yes. Yes. Right? Exactly. So they just yeah. kind of operate sure. that way. Sure. Whereas in reality, well, they have different, they have different concerns, right? Like the average American cares about like their job. Yeah. Healthcare like their and putting <laughs> like their food actual on the table life. and just like normie people shit. And the average think to blob think tanker is cares about feeling powerful okay but then there's a third there's this third group now which i think like here's the thing about blaming everything on the blob is the blob has always been there john bolton has been there since the 80s yeah (laughs) okay like these people have been around forever and it it you know but we haven't gotten to this point with them you know because Uh. they are i think just one aspect of 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 the policy elite they're not all powerful yeah Okay, you but know, okay, so 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 l- let me ask you this: Is the current level of, and I know it's very difficult to compare because it's a totally different era, right? But is the current level of xenophobia not simply similar to, or perhaps even less than? I actually think it's probably not as strong as the level of Islamophobia post nine eleven. It's just no, a different target. I, I, I don't think it's anywhere target. near what we saw with. 9-11 no like right. yeah, not, not among, we're just in a, we're just in a not among phase, people right? not among regular not people about, yeah like people were getting fucking shot at gas stations and stuff after 9-11 yes yeah okay sure but like even even just like, like not by crazy blob. homeless people but by like the blob, dudes and right? trucks but, you know <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, and, yes, pe- yes and people yes. were like literally nervous like just normie people didn't want to get on planes because there, there was like a uh you know uh, a seek with like a turban and they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, nah, I'm not getting on this plane. Mm-hmm. They were terrified. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that wasn't even just simple racism. That was also real fear mm-hmm. that accompanied that racism. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I doubt anyone was like, I'm not getting on that plane. There's a Chinese guy. No, I, <laughs> sure. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's yeah, like it's, a not, a, it's not at that level. No. It exists, yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. that. Spy, we, remember, we are, we're, we're spies, not terrorists. Yeah. Exactly. Um, They're not terrified of Chinese people, man. They may resent Chinese people. They sure, may find Chinese sure. people annoying. But, 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 or something, but my point but is, like, your, your point that like the blob has always been around since the eighties. Yes, the target has just changed. Just yeah, they just target. move. Like they just move, they just from move on. Thing to thing. Right? They just move on from thing to thing. And yeah. actually, no, but, you but, know but what? That, if nine eleven had never that was happened, predicated not on the blob, but on nine eleven. Okay. Yeah, but what happened? What was right before nine eleven? What was right before nine eleven? Three incidents. Uh, I, well, I there was the original plane. E, yeah, EP3 spy plane incident over Hainan Island. Nobody cared about that. Uh, U.S. might have you, cared. Only that. you remember it because you're Chinese. I mean, most people don't remember that. Uh, the Belgrade embassy bombing. Nobody no, even knows about that. <laughs> uh, Taiwan Strait crisis, 95. Nobody remembers that. <sighs> Nobody remembers these, these things. These yeah. are important not, things. That's because everybody got mind. but they're not. I'm talking about got, the, well, the that's because Osama bin Laden mind-wiped everybody with 9-11. It was a totally different level of, you know. Well, I, I mean, he, he really did up the stakes. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. where we're at, you know. I don't think no, that's don't where the American people no, are. No, no, no. Oh, speaking of 9-11, um, the, uh, the new Restrict Act is, Act is getting a lot of pushback from the public in general. It's finally yes. caught on that 
they're like this using this like, TikTok situation. Patriot Act 2023. What's that? It's just Patriot Act 2023. Yeah, it's like Patriot Act 2.0, and people are finally yeah. catching on. Like the media is finally understanding that this could have far-reaching consequences, and really had like I don't think TikTok is even mentioned in the <laughs> in the bill, which I guess you know is normal. But maybe they yeah. shouldn't have called it the Restrict Act. Yeah, yeah like they should have called it like the Patriot, the Freedom Act, or something, the Digital Freedom Act. The savior, you know, uh, protect our kids act. Yeah, save the children yeah. from China. Yeah, like the, the the names, <laughs> the names of these bills have gotten kind of more more restrict act. <laughs> this is what I'm talking. I mean, I I do think that, you know, the 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 problem here is, I mean, the 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 question I'm 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 raising is that this runaway xenophobia. I mean, I'm I'm watching. I'm literally I'm on Twitter right now, and. <laughs> Ted Cruz is saying that China is waging a 1,000-year war against the United States. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I one one thing. Uh, like, dude, see, the United States has only been around for like 250 plus, 250 oh, years. What are you talking about? You know, okay. So, 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 so to, like, when, you, when you're saying like the Sinophobia has gotten more intense and crazy, like I actually kind of felt like it was worse before. Because now it's just gotten to it's gotten to the point of like self satirization. It jumped the shark. Yeah, like it's it's gotten it's gotten like got so obviously mental. Tips. Like we're in a Mr. Bean, we're in like a Mr. Bean flick or something. That's my point. I, I I guess I'm saying that as I see this shit, it's actually making me feel a little bit more reassured. Yeah, because yeah, no, because it's saying. so ridiculous now that I mean, people who really buy into this stuff, like you're you're just as crazy as Ted Cruz now, you know, and. I, I think that this is a bid for people like Ted Cruz, who have who have always been seen as somewhat crazy. You know, it's those. You know, they're they're the ones that are going down this rabbit hole, not American people. I, I think Americans are still, by and large, just as we always are. You know, just somewhat ignorant. You know, when it comes to like the reality of our politics, like somewhat naive, but fundamentally interested in like you know basically three things right it's like our health our financial security and our kids i i really don't think americans give a shit about geopolitical this or that yeah that's probably true you know and and i i think there's only so much americans may buy the sinophobia thing to to a point where they're like oh okay we have a fentanyl crisis and an opioid crisis in america and i have my community is being decimated by this, and you're telling me that it's China's fault? Okay. Well, let's pass a bill to block fentanyl from China. Okay, so they do that. Guess what? Doesn't fix it. Right? And so, and that happened under Trump, remember? Like, he, he had reached an agreement with China about the uh, about export of fentanyl. And so, I think that the American public will give it a, give it a shot. They'll hear it out. But if they don't see results, they move on. And I think that the the what they're doing is they took the sign the blame China thing, and the public kind of moved on from that. Didn't really buy it. Started blaming our own pe- our our own system again, and the response from Congress has been to blame China basically harder? go one hundred x harder on the sinophobia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the re- the result is just going to be the opposite. I, I don't think that they're going to whip the f- crowd up into a frenzy. The crowd is going to recognize that this is deflection away from the things that they actually care about that that is my my prediction and i and i think that 
is probably going to happen. I don't think we're going to war with China is what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't certainly not directly. Indirectly, yeah. we're already there. I, I think the days of this <clears throat> just constant re-raising and re-raising of tensions and rhetoric is there's a natural end point to it. it it's going to peak and then it's going to turn around. I don't think we can keep going down this route, but I am raising it because I think that's the only other option. So the interesting it's thing like, is um, when the CHIPS Act got passed and like all of the semiconductor uh, sanctions got passed, I don't think China really retaliated, did they? Like they didn't no, do they anything did they did not. overt other than like issues and press releases. So I don't, I, I think, I, th- I mean, I, I get the feeling that this is just a feeling that China is, you know, the CCP is like got kind of a cooler head right now. Like they kind of understand what's going on and they know that um, like retaliating tit for tat is not really a winning strategy. There was, um, there was actually a one-year exemption in the CHIPS Act. Or, uh, the thing you were talking about, right, was restricting Netherlands and Japan and South Korea. And- yeah, there's exemptions. Um, and also it hurts American, Japanese, and European businesses because they were making tons right. of money selling all this money. Shit. Korean, that, that's, that's why there's that one-year exemption, right? So they're probably yeah. just like, okay, well, we're just going to buy the shit out of everything. Have you the seen the year. results out of Korea for Hynix and Samsung? And they're that's just like wild, total- eh? They're da- it's down like double digit percentage points over last year because they they can't export to China anymore. Yeah, and they can't manufacture there. Yeah. So it's like you you get rid of their revenue and their uh and their manufacturing, manufacturing base. base. <laughs> it's, it's not tenable. They're, yeah, it's like, not Korea's, great. <laughs> Korea's going to have to backtrack on this chipsack thing. Yeah. Because remember that, like they signed an agreement, basically, like they're going to work with the U.S. and Japan to sort of like isolate China. And they're like, one year in, and it's like the Korean semiconductor industry is like collapsing. I mean, they never wanted to do that, right? The, so, the, uh, the, you, 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 uh, it's an idiot. The ASML machines are like four hundred million dollars a pop. So like, <laughs> yeah, Netherlands is not a big place. So. Yeah, so it's like, dude, if you restrict even half dozen, that's like billions and billions of dollars. That yeah. just doesn't flow through not just Netherlands, but all their supplier Netherlands, but all the you know supplier countries and firms and all that stuff. So it's, I mean, it's a huge deal. I think ASML's you know sort of PR people are going to say what they need to say to look like they're going along with all of this crazy xenophobia shit because they don't want to upset the powers that be in their own country. But I think they're definitely lobbying as much as they can to get rid of this these nonsense trade barriers and. They want to I, sell. Actually, they, if they can, they want to sell to China if they can. Yeah, of course. I've actually heard like the the. I, I don't. I don't know. Like I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've heard like the the ASML CEO has just repeatedly said, "Yeah, if you just stop us from selling to them, we're just, a we're going to make less money, and b they're going to get to it anyway." Yeah, they're going to just make it themselves. It's not fucking magic. Like some days, yeah, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of U.S. like trade policy is predicated on the fact that oh, China will never be able to do this on their own. Which just See, I, I was been thinking about true, this late, right? earlier um, lately. Like the, I feel like you know maybe 15, 20 years ago, the same thing was said about Chinese car manufacturing, right? That they'll like just never get there. Yeah, those are just the ground rules. Like it's just an assumption that we're gonna do yeah, stuff because yeah. China is like incapable of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, it's kind of this like baseline assumption that they just could never do it without. They just America. could never do it. Yeah, like like yeah. they're Chinese. What do you like? Yeah. Like and it totally ignores the fact that Taiwan calls themselves the Republic of China, and they're the fucking 
preeminent chip maker <laughs> in the world. You know, it's like, it, do, it just doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, though, I think, I mean, now it's like we're, you know, the difference between now and then, like then being like, you know, when we just were dealing with the sort of like ambient kind of luke lukewarm, you know, a little bit antagonistic, a little bit cooperative with China or whatever, is that we've gone all in, right? We've gone all in on this, this you know, existential confrontation with China. China is not folding the hand. They're calling. In fact, it seems like they're raising, you know, with what's going on with BRICS and and everything. And yeah, they're making moves. Yeah, they're making moves. They're raising into the pot, into the hand. Yeah. And the question is, does the U.S. actually go, into, you know, go all in and lose everything, or do we back down? And I think that we're going to have to back down. I cannot. I don't think we have what it takes to, to stick this hand out. Cause one, we have a losing hand, but what, what is, what is it? What is the U S going to lose here? We are going to destroy our own economy. Right. But how does banning TikTok necessarily do that? Right. I think it's, I mean, not like, just what, TikTok. What, what I don't think of like anti China. I don't think kind of a sideshow. Yeah. It, I uh, no, I, I agree. But, uh, I'm just saying, like, it does. Is there anything necessarily that is linked? Like, how much is linking the state of the American economy to sort of the current political xenophobia and whatever actual country? If you start passing stuff like Chinese capital cannot enter the United States, mm -hmm. uh, we are going to start seizing Chinese assets the way that we seized. Russian assets. Okay, yeah. Th see, that one I actually think will never, will never, never, never happen. Well, not yeah. never, see, but there, like there the, the bar for that, that we won't cross. The bar for that is like super high. Yeah, that's I, my point. People, yeah, that one. I, that, that like I we did, we we went all in on Russia. We went all in on Russia, and I don't know if all the cards, ha you know, have been have been put down yet, but our hands not looking great, and that's Russia. Which is a much that one already much smaller already economy to, than us to, to go like Argh. yeah you know so. whereas we're dealing with China which on a which in a real basis is a larger economy than us I think that the United States is still driven enough by corporate interests that the corporate interests are, will eventually and very soon reassert themselves and be like people you need to stop like first of all remember who pays your fucking bills Congress I do. All of you need to fucking stop. I think that's going to be the most likely result of all this. I don't think we're going to World War III. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about the Russian sanctions is that it basically just gave China more energy commodities and food. Yeah, essentially. You know? essentially. So it's like squeezing air in a balloon. It's just going to move somewhere else. Like all that oil yeah, it, and all that. It was, a huge, it was a huge win for China. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because they didn't, probably. they didn't actually do anything to precipitate this windfall. No. Now, <laughs> they, now like China basically gets like a locked-in captive energy supplier and has a uh, has agriculture deals in Siberia now. Yeah, and has and has the West completely distracted by a war, really, really quite far from its borders. So it's not exactly worried about mm -hmm. Ukraine spilling over to China. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they've locked in energy and food and mineral supply for 
yeah, who knows how for long. the next 40 years or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the next de- few decades. And there's like all these people who are uh, skeptical of the fact that they could build a pipeline or get ships to cargo ships to like, not cargo, but uh, tanker ships to, to get ships, oil yeah. and LNG and all this stuff yeah. over to China. But I mean, it's happening. Yeah, I mean, like whoever was skeptical of, of of China's ability to build an oil pipeline into Russia, it's kind of dumb. That's like a dumb thing to be skeptical of. Yeah, they could they could build it, yeah. and until they do, <laughs> like, they have ships, right? Like, there's tankers, so it's, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the only yeah. thing that could really stop it is if a hundred percent of the imports were coming in on tankers, and then the U.S. blockaded. All of, the, right, but that, all of the all of the sea like a, lanes that supply China. Such a wild escalation, right? That it seems, at least at this point, unfathomable. I think if you take the temperature of people <clears throat> who actually have power, and I'm not talking about Congress, which is a you know, it's a dog and pony show. I'm talking about the people with the money, with the with the authority, uh, that. In private, they're they're just totally like, what are these people doing? Every time when they see Ted Cruz talking about a thousand year war, they're like, dude, how are we going to shut this guy up? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that we're all on board. I think what's going on though is that people are a little bit intimidated by the ferocity of it, and they don't want to be ganged up on by a bunch of like frothing, crazy people in Congress. Remember, this is an institution to which George Santos got elected. These are not normal people. These are crazy narcissists. And they, it's very hard, you know, when they get off script, you know, it's, it's not easy to herd them back onto script. And I think basically what happened is we had a runaway process here because the job that, that, you know, the uh, corporate interests enlist Congress for, which, by the way, Congress, you know, I I think we can agree. Congress does not represent the U.S., uh, the American people. Congress is hired by, Congress is hired by corporate interests and, and, and other such interests like the military to sell us, to sell the American people on on policies that are not good for us, that that are fundamentally in the interests of Congress's patrons, not their constituents, right? It's it's going the other way. It's flipped. They don't represent us. They're selling to us, right? And I think that this is a a thing where the frontline salespeople are like, dude, it's brutal. (laughs) It's, I can't, you want me to what? You want me to sell them on another hundred billion to Ukraine? You want me to sell them on a fifty-two billion dollar corporate giveaway to Intel? They're like, what? This is asking too much. <laughs> and I think that what they've done now is like they've the crazies are like, okay, well, I've got a plan. This is like Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, and Alec Baldwin shows up, you know, and he opens his little thing, and and it's just it's just you know fucking uh epic times you know he's got epic times and (laughs) following gong shit and he was just like it takes brass balls to sell the american people (laughs) and you gotta call all these people up Uh, and you tell them that the chinese are are waging a 1000 year war are you ready to sign that was actually a wild tweet like the thousand year war tweet yeah that was actually kind of 
These are desperate salespeople. Kind of hilarious. That's the end of part one of this week's episode. Part two will be available on our Patreon feed. If you want to support the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash planamag. 